G'day. Uh, you are live with Lunch Money, uh, your online, well, the online and social media home for uh, special situations, workouts, and capital raising professionals. Uh, my name is Nick Samios. I am the fund manager uh, here at Hermes Capital, and I am uh, your host for this live stream, Lunch Money. Um, I guess uh, we're, we're locked down all across the eastern seaboard and around the country. Uh, so be it. We are going to keep the uh, keep the conversation positive um, because there's lots to be positive about. Um, today we are talking about the hero's journey uh, when it comes to business. And I'll talk to you a little bit. I'll intro that topic in a second. But firstly, the usual housekeeping. Uh, if you are watching us live, uh, if you ask a good question, we will uh, send you this the lunch money mug. Uh, and I would also ask you to share, like, or subscribe. Hit the notification button. Um, and that way uh, you won't miss out on any of our live streams. And uh, I would also ask you to share. Give it a share. Share uh, share the live stream on the podcast with your friends. Um, and uh, don't, don't, don't keep us all to yourself. Okay. So the hero's journey um, is, uh, it, it's a, it's, it, the hero's journey is a framework for storytelling that I came across. And when you when you hear the hero's journey, uh, you can apply it to you know to Batman to, um, to to just about any any story that you see at the movies. It begins with the main character is status quo, you know Bruce Wayne, uh, you know li living his disgruntled life. But then there's something that changes. You know the the guy that killed his parents get out of jail. There's a there's a life changing moment, um, and then uh, he goes on this quest. You know. Uh, to, uh, you know, rid Gotham of bad guys, et cetera, et cetera. There comes a point of no return. Along the way, there's there's companions and, uh, and hopefully two things happen. Uh, the hero achieves, you know, achieves the mission, mission accomplished. But along the way, there's a personal journey as well. And the reason I, I've called this podcast the um, the, the, the business uh, hero's journey is because I was talking to our guest today a little bit earlier in the week and uh, a tri a tri a trigger that with me. We're going to talk today with uh, Dr. Peter Ellis, who I'll introduce right now. G'day, g'day, Peter. Um, yeah. And... Uh, uh, when you were talking earlier this week, it, you, you were talking about transforming the business, but also uh, transforming the individual. We'll get to that just a minute. In a minute, I'll introduce you first. Uh, Dr. Peter Ellis is a consultant uh, and a mentor to small and medium-sized businesses, and he's also uh, a researcher, hence, hence the name doctor. And he's done a lot of research in the area of businesses uh, transitioning from from micro to small and small to medium. Um, what is it that, that keeps you busy uh, this past couple of weeks? What's 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 the day in the life of uh, Dr. Peter Ellis? Uh, at the moment, the day in the life of Dr. Peter Ellis is looking at um, writing articles for uh, business journals like the, the Harvard Business Review and the American um, uh, Management uh, um, Journal. Uh, and at the moment, I'm writing, um, I've, I've just written one journal about, uh, uh, one article about um, business development and understanding which is what i'm talking about today uh, but at the moment i'm writing about a theory that i'm putting out or i've developed called the theory of letting go and everyone knows what letting go is um, but there are a number of elements in there that must be put in to, to uh, enable the people within the business uh, to develop and grow because if you don't do them uh, you will uh, cause uh, 
some some very uh, negative aspects to a business uh, and um, that's what I'm in the middle of doing and that's unfortunately it's, it's something that can be read in about 20 minutes but takes about two months to write only two months, <laughs> only two and, months. Uh, where, where, where will you get that published um, well, probably the Harvard Business Review, but I might put it into the uh, American Institute of Management. Uh, so I'm working on that. I'm working with a couple of professors down in Melbourne um, wow. because uh, uh, my manner of writing is for everybody and their manner of writing is academic. So we sort of like mix, uh, mix those things together. All right. Well, it sounds like you're going to let me sneak in another Batman reference there because uh, in the third <laughs> movie, of course, he's got to make the leap. Uh, and he's got to uh, do as the child did, uh, you know, without the rope, uh, which I always find that a very inspirational. You know, when you make the leap, you know, you've just you've just got to make the leap, you know, without the rope, um, which I think is fascinating. Listen, that's that's your that's your academic pursuits. But tell me uh, before we get into that, what tell me a little bit about your consulting? Uh, well, I work with okay, about eighty five percent of businesses are micro, and they're happy to be micro, and that's it. But that leaves 15% want to grow. And of that 15%, only 5% actually settle into the growth of small and medium. There's 10% that are stuck in between micro and small and in between small and medium. And they are stressed to the max because they see how many other people appear to have success that they want. And they don't know why. Um, and what I do is help them because uh, what I found, I've spoken to hundreds of successful business people and those successful business people have all told me how they've been successful. And the interesting thing is they've all got a different reason. So if they're going to be right, they're right for themselves. But what is it that they actually do? They have a talent and the majority of them don't even know they've got the talent. They just do it because it seems natural. Uh, and those that talent is what um, I've written about, and, and that, that talent is what I'm going to uh, tell people about today. And uh, okay, so um, and this is something that you've developed in your work as as a consultant and, and mentor. I noticed that you've you, you've done some work for the Queensland government. I mean, uh, I normally do this sort of bit where I read through someone's CV, and it's almost like a job interview. But I noticed that uh, you've done some work for. Uh, for the Queen's uh, Department of Premier and Cabinet. But what was that? That, that? that was being a mentor. What was that about? Uh, that's working really for, uh, they've got a department that works with uh, uh, small businesses that are growing uh, and are struggling. Uh, and um, I worked on, on that. It's called, uh, um, it's called the uh, uh, Mentoring for Growth. Uh, and uh, it's something that has sort of helps people uh, in Queensland. It's been going for uh, for many years now, uh, and so I've done that. I, 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 I've worked for quite a lot of uh, different uh, government bodies, but uh, mostly I work with the um, struggling small and struggling medium. Um, for example, one medium company, they took 25 years to get from the struggle section to becoming uh, a steady medium-sized business uh, with departments and managers and so on, which works. Um, before that, they felt they could be closed down at any minute. And that was a company turning over $500 million a year. And they felt yeah. they would be closing down any moment until they had their system in place, which I showed them. So uh, these things, you know, other people just take three years, bang, they, they, they manage to do it. Um, so uh, it's, 
it's um, something that once you know what to do, it's like obvious, uh, like many things. And what I what I put together essentially are um, elements that have been researched and looked at for many, many, many years. So they're well known, but well known as individual elements. They've never actually put them together. Uh, and so I put them together and suddenly it's like a, a, a clear picture that everyone can see. Now, you, you sound like you're, you're pretty optimistic when it comes to most business owners. I mean, not everybody can be successful. So I appreciate you saying that, you know, you, you're, uh, you, well, well, actually, let's just go back. You said that there's 10 to 15% of people that are stuck in that, um, in that sort of gap between, you know, micro and small or small and medium that, that they could make the jump. Um, but is it a matter of that they're only being held back by themselves? Is that what you're suggesting? Um, well, you see, it's not what you know, it's what you don't know what you don't know. Um, so what happens uh, is that um, many businesses, particularly professional businesses um, who want to be small businesses, are definitely stuck in the interim. Um, there's generally people say there's three sizes, micro, small, and medium. But what I've discovered is there's uh, seven sizes. There's micro, there's coming out of micro, going into small and uh, small, and then coming out of small and going into medium. Each one of those stages, people either want to be in um, or don't know how to get out of. So if you're a micro and you want to do a bit more, certain, you've got to change the way you look at your business, change the way you approach your business, uh, and you do extra things. You have to have uh, extra skills in, in working with people. And that one of the biggest areas that people get stuck is when they think they're small businesses, but they're actually stuck in between the sections. So uh, I'll give you three very quick examples uh, that I've worked with. Um, a finance, um, a financial consultant uh, was, was doing a million dollars a year and he had three other financial consultants, each of them only doing 100,000. It was costing him money in secretaries and paralegals and all these sorts of things to, to help them and to do that. Uh, and it was costing him money to, to have extra staff. To, he thought he had a small business, but he actually was just his business with some other people that was costing him money. Uh, I had a, a chiropractor, um, and the chiropractor had 20 other um, specialists in there, hypnotherapists, massage, uh, podiatrists, and all this sort of thing. The owner was bringing in 75% of the income the other 20 people uh, were bringing in 25% and it was costing the owner a fortune uh, in secretary work and, and um, paying the rent for the larger business and so on and so forth um, to do this. They were actually losing money because they had so many people not bringing the money in. Uh, and a dentist uh, who did the same thing, they were working six days a week because the other dentists were only working two days a week each. None of them understood how they had to approach it. They all did the same thing. They, they abdicated their responsibility to the admin person and said, okay, pay their wages, tell them what to do, and so on. And so the admin person is not their business. They're not well, going to tell someone what to do. 
Yeah, well, so, let me let me ask you about two scenarios then that that spring to mind. Um, the first one is, you know, that that thing of, uh, you know, the the founder of the business say, uh, you know, bringing in, you know, seventy percent of the work or whatever it might be, or realizing that, you know, I think you said a million dollars of the, the, you know, that that is that is one of the real challenges for a lot of businesses to make that next level jump, right? Is to, you know, is to is to let go, I suppose, because you're worried. They're worried that if I let go, I, I'm potentially jeopardising seven hundred thousand, well, a million dollars worth of, of revenue that I'm bringing in. But on the other hand, you know, I need to level. I need to level up the other people that are supposed to be generating the income. So that, that that's that's an issue, isn't it? But that's that's a very common problem. It is a very common problem, uh, and the the situation is this: <clears throat> because these other people are all professionals um, they are expected to have the same attitude as the owner but of course they don't because they're just saying okay I'm only interested in this amount of income and I don't really care as so long as I've got my income um, it's not my problem uh, so the owner doesn't realize what their responsibilities are but once they do uh, so for example with that um, with, 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 with a financial advisor, all he had to do was tell them, this is what you have to bring in if you want to stay in this company. The, um, the, the, the chiropractor only had to say, this room has got to earn me this amount of money. If you're only coming in like a little time or the dentist just coming in a little time, then when you're not here, I'm going to put other people into that room until I've got sufficient monies coming in. So it's not a lot that has to be done. It's just they have to realize what they're supposed to do. Uh, the thing about letting go, in essence, is not abdicating it. There's another guy, um, uh, he's passed away uh, recently, but, but many years ago, there's a company um, selling carpets, massive company. He was working 20 hours a day uh, and really working very hard. And everyone said, delegate, delegate, delegate. You've got a very big business. You delegate, you can make. He delegated about 20 people to do his job. And one of the things that he did was a carpet company. He had 12 people buying carpets. They bought so much stock, he couldn't pay for it. And he went out of business mm -hmm. because he didn't understand how to control the growth. Right. He just thought, give someone else the job and they'll do much. They don't know what he's thinking. They don't understand what's expected. Um, well, I guess give, giving someone else the job is, is is the sort of the second question I wanted to get to. Um, yeah. Just just sort of staying on that, staying on that issue of, you know, all the, all that revenue versus you know bringing bringing other other people uh, other people up. I mean that 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 um, that sort of metaphor that you gave, you know, the chiropractor saying this room's got to work. Uh, that uh, I mean, law firms, accounting firms, all those professional services. I mean, they've got exactly the same problem, don't they? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. They've just got to realise that they're in business. They're not just a law firm or just an accounting they're in business and what do they need to do to be in business to to to, to, to make a buck this is what has to be done in there uh, and they just say well you you're qualified to do your job therefore you can do it 
And it's not as simple as that. Uh, there's just an, uh, an accounting example. Um, I, I won't tell you the name of the firm, but a, a reasonable sized firm uh, here in Brisbane, uh, a partner was doing $14 million. Thought, right, well, I'll get two, two new uh, um, junior partners in and I'll give them $7 million each um, and then get them to build it up. One of them built up the business to, to, to 14 himself, working very hard. The other one said, 7 million bucks? That's all I need. I'm quite happy to do that. And the, and the boss said, well, if I was getting that money in, I wouldn't need you to pay you extra money because I was doing that anyway. But he didn't understand. He didn't explain it. He didn't tell the guy what he had to do. So it wasn't being done. This is one of the problems with professional people. They don't appreciate um, that not everyone thinks like them. Yeah, I guess I guess it's interesting that some yeah, as you say, some of them uh, with some people they they literally want to take over the world, uh, and that's 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 fine. You know, they want to be the the Bill Gates of you know whatever their their area is. Other people are just happy to you know take home enough to put the kids through school, and 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 I suppose that's where you've got competing interests. The other the other uh, thing that I was interested in is you're talking about. Um, so that, that's one one way you've got one person responsible, like the founder responsible for a lot of the revenue. But one problem that I see a lot is where they then bring in this general manager. And very often I see it's, um, you know, they've got a small business, but they bring in someone who used to be a senior executive at Coles, or they used to be a senior executive at, you know, Toll Logistics or something. You know, one of the big, one of the one of the monsters in the industry, um, and they 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 then basically hand over the keys uh, to the general manager. The next thing you know, expenses have gone through the roof, you know, and, and the business has been gutted. Have you have you ever come across that? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, the, the, one of those reasons is this that people don't appreciate that a corporate is nothing like a private business. Uh, and the way corporates work uh, is different. Now, if you're going to have a general manager and you've got a small business, then that general manager has to understand that that job is just... I've often had this, and what I've done is I've said, don't call them the general manager, call them assistant manager. Because once they're called an assistant manager, they roll their sleeves up and do some work. When they're a manager, they go in their office and let other people do the work. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I, 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 I've seen a situation once before where uh, a colleague of mine brought a general manager into the business and uh, over the top of a whole bunch of existing people, I said, you know what, I think you've made a mistake. They're what you should do. Don't do that. You know, make them earn some, earn, you know, they're, they're good at sales. Why don't you get them to earn you know, earn their stripes, uh, you know, with, with, in, in the operations and then promote them. Uh, yeah. And that way, uh, you know, other, and what ended up happening, of course, is that everybody saw this person as being external and, uh, you know, it was quite a, quite a uh, it just ended in tears, actually, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another part of what has to be, be learned, which is uh, the culture of the business, which is the actions have to be done in a certain way because every business has got a culture. And if the owner doesn't put their stamp on the culture, then someone else will. And that's not necessarily the way that the owner would like it to be. Well, wow. talk, talk us through that a little bit more. That's... Uh... That's that is a little bit scary. I, I have seen that as well. That just you know. So so tell me how that manifests. 
Okay, um, essentially, um, ju just very quickly, there's five elements to running a business. Uh, and if you don't have those five elements, if there's any one of them is either inadequate or missing, you're going to have a problem. Um, now, essentially, uh, what, what it is, is the, the mindset and the skills are the personal ones. And then you've got the, the business ones, uh, which is the um, processes and procedures, uh, the um, uh, organizational structure and the action plan and the culture. Now, the culture uh, is very important because if you don't have a culture and put it in there, that business is seen as being essentially leaderless and everyone does their own thing. Uh, I had a $20 million business uh, where the father started up and built it up quite nicely and it was ready to go to a medium size. And the son came in who'd been in uh, corporate for, I don't know, I think it was like six months or something. Uh, and he felt that this is a $20 million business. This is a big business. All I've got to do is tell the managers what to do uh, and then I can go off and play with my friends. Um, so the, the culture was one where no one respected the son uh, and everyone came to the father to get everything done, uh, which was not what the father wanted to retire. Um, so what happened uh, was that everyone did their own thing. They all thought they were doing the best thing. Um, so, for example, um, in, in the purchasing, um, they bought large amounts of, of, of products because it was cheaper. The problem was that they were constantly, $20 million business, constantly on stop from their suppliers because they never paid their bills because they, they, they were buying too much. Uh, the um, the salespeople um, were the, in, in the office uh, were saying, look, uh, just give us a $5 order and we'll send it to you for free. It was costing them a million dollars a year uh, in postage and packing that they were sending off for free. And they all thought they were doing well for the business to get extra sales, to get cheaper products. And all those things were damaging the business because they had no direction. Okay. Uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, uh, you know, when, when my, you know, my, my father, uh, was in business. He had, you know, and, and being, you know, being good Greeks, they had milk bars and, you know, eventually cake shops and what have you. But, you know, the businesses in those days, in the 50s, you know, they were called uh, Samios and Sons, you know, and that, that was, yeah, like Matthew and Son, I suppose, quite a common <laughs> thing. And I suppose the idea was that these businesses would be intergenerational. But uh, I just wonder, um, you know, we talk uh, so much about uh, the first generation building the wealth and uh, the second generation sort of spending the wealth and then the third generation maybe, you know, completely giving it away. So I'm, I'm interested. I mean, you, you're involved a lot in these transitional situations. Is that one of the transitions uh, intergenerational that, that, that you've looked at as well? Yeah, well, the old saying, shirts leave to shirts leaves in three generations. Um, is, is, is what it is. It doesn't happen all the time. You, know, you have some families that work very well. But essentially... Um, it's that people assume that everyone's going to do what they did or feel what they did or work as hard as they do. And they, so, so as you say, the first generation works really, really hard uh, to help the next generation go to college uh, and learn. The next generation builds the business up and says, I want my next generation to have what I didn't have. And the next generation says, oh, life's easy. Well, you know, I've got all the money I need. I've got all this. I've got, I've got a nice car and lovely holidays. Um, the businesses just run by themselves. Um, mm. 
so yeah, there, there, there is that, and it's really a question of uh, of people, um, and that that's for the generational thing. Uh, but it's also uh, if you bring in um, people from outside to uh, come into the business without them appreciating the culture of the business uh, it's 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 the same um when uh, you you mergers and acquisitions if you don't look at the culture of the business that you're putting in uh, if you don't look at the um the manner in which that they work that it, it it merges with the way that you work you're going to have terrible problems because you're going to have everyone thinking their way is right. Okay, so talk us through, um, say, the business is going from from small uh, to medium. Um, right. I mean, aside from you know, let, let, assuming that the market opportunity is there and the, you know the business has got the yeah. the physical capability of, of of scaling up. I mean, what That's are some a, of the most common cool. common barriers that that you see? Okay. That's also part of the letting go. Um, the thing about uh, going from small to medium uh, is you go first, you you build up your own uh, business. You say, okay, uh, we're going to do extra sales and we're going to get some more salespeople and, and build it up a bit. So that's fine and that works well. And then you'll, you've reached your maximum limit and you've got to start developing the business in such a way that it is now in a situation where it's departmentalizing. This is when it starts to get difficult because the owner then has to stand back because they have to have each department, either A, they are the manager of each department and go in, but they still have to just tell the people what to do so they can go to the other department and they have to be able to trust these people. Or when you get closer to being a, a medium-sized business, you have a department manager this is another very important thing because you've got to do two things. The first is you must not tell the manager what to do and then go over his head and tell the staff, don't do what he told you, do what I tell you. Because then they say, well, who do we listen to? And I said, well, I'm the boss, you listen to me. So the manager leaves. So you've really got to have someone that you can work with, that you can tell what's going on, you give them the KPIs and so on and so forth. The next part of the letting go is you've got to talk to the manager and listen to them because they are at the coal front. They're the people that know exactly what's going on and they can give you some very good ways of improving what's going on. Um, then what happens is you, as the owner, do less and less of the actual work that you used to do when you first started and you're working on the accounts, you're working on the marketing, you're working on the development of the business, but you're in control because you have got the action plan and putting in the culture to have the activities that are going on done in such a way that they are controlled. Uh, your job then is to control. Um, there, there was a, a guy called Henry Fail some hundred years ago or so that said the owner in a medium-sized business has four things to do. Plan, lead, organize, control. The word right. do does not is not in there right 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 I, I have heard that somewhere yeah okay um so so you you've basically identified this this departmentalizing of the business that sounds like a major milestone it, uh, it's when it major. Goes, yeah so so Absolutely. But, yeah 
and that so, and that's where you know I guess there's there's delegation and uh, you know and and I guess there's the issues of maintaining the culture within those departments. I mean, what's the next major milestone? Well, well just, just as there are new skills that that have to be worked. The whole mindset of the owner has to change. The micro and small, fairly similar, just a bit bigger. But a medium business is a totally different animal. The owner has to totally change their mindset. They have to get new skills uh, in, in order to manage the managers because before they were managing the people, now they're managing the managers. Uh, they have to make sure that once it's getting bigger, the processes and procedures have to be in writing. They have to be documented so everyone knows what's expected of them. These are the things that have to be put in place. It's a totally different business when they look back to when they started, to where it is, totally, absolutely, completely different. It is, in fact, a mini um, large business. And large business are ones where they have a board and shareholders. And it's basically uh, a mini uh, company like that, a medium-sized business. All right, I, I'd like to get to that board, and uh, well, I'd certainly like to get to that that um, that board stage. But what I am, when I hear you talking about uh, skills and training and all that sort of stuff, I mean, the founder doesn't necessarily have those skills, and the founder, you know, does need to bring in external advice and external helpers, right? Such as yourself, uh, right? So, but of course, I know when I speak to small businesses or medium-sized businesses, and it's clear as day that they need to bring someone in. But of course, they always say, oh, the business can't afford it. You know, we don't want to, they don't want to spend the money. I mean, how do you overcome that? Um, well, it's, it's always the way that they say, you know, uh, what happens if I train people up when they leave? And you say, well, what happens if you don't train them up? Uh, yeah. the, the fact is um, that there's no reason. Many, many of the people uh, join uh, associations like the tech, which is uh, the executive club uh, and, and, and other high-level clubs where you've got people at the same level who help each other, who work together, um, work together insofar as they they tell each other their problems and, and, and what goes on. Uh, in Japan, the, the major um, car manufacturers, uh, the owners get together, the, the, the senior executives get together and discuss the car industry as a whole and how they can do it. They then, when they finish the meeting, uh, they go off and try and beat each other up in, 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 and beat each other in, in, in their business. But they do talk to each other and they discuss business. Um, and that's what people need to, to appreciate. And uh, is it expensive? Well, it's not necessarily expensive. Um, that, so, for example, um, I work with a number of companies, and because I work with a number of companies, I don't need to charge. I don't need to be employed by them. Um, I just consult to them. And so, therefore, they can then develop an understanding of what's required because – if they're going to be able to do it, they're going to be smart enough. And if they're smart enough, they don't actually have to physically do the work. Um, but then if they can see what needs to be done, then they can employ someone, but employ them in a way that they're going to benefit the company and not just be given a job and you cross your fingers that they're going to do the right thing. That's not the right way to do it. 
Okay, look, there's, um, just very quickly, I've, I've, you're just triggering so many questions that I want to ask you, and I want to get to them before we run out of time. You're an advocate of things like tech and and, that, and those sorts of uh, sort of support groups. Absolutely. Other uh, yeah. any anywhere where you got um, businesses talking to businesses, uh, yeah. are good. I mean, not everyone does the right thing. I mean, I, you know, like uh, there's there, there's a, a an organisation called BNI. BNI is good for small businesses or micro businesses that want to do a bit more business. That's fine. Um, but the whole idea of them is they help each other. So when yeah. you get someone, and I've seen it, you get someone who goes in there and says, oh, no, I only come in here uh, to get business from you. Look, I'm not going to give you business because, uh, you know, that's not, not my problem. Look, can I, say, can I say, with BNI, I've been involved in a BNI that was absolutely sensational. Yes. Uh, and I've got, you know, the BNI, uh, they, they say give us gains, so you're supposed to go in there to, with the mindset of helping everyone else. What, what, and, and it was the right one. Look, I appreciate there's different groups of different people. The one I was associated for a while, um, it was other, you know, senior people, and it was very much... Uh, what I got out of it was the the personal relationships and once a week, you know, just being outside of my normal, you know, it's sort of like getting away from the war zone and being with other people that you could share the load with. So but I, I guess, it's... yeah, I, I guess another question, I guess this is sort of along the same vein, but uh, what, what about, um, you know, virtual boards or, or uh, you know, where it's not actually a board of directors, but, you you know, people are bringing in other advisors to... What, what, do you get involved with that sort of thing? Yeah, I think they can be very good uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because you don't have people in your business who don't really understand the business uh, who tell you what to do because they're experienced board members. But what you do do is you have people that can essentially teach you um, and show you what's required um, as you grow. Uh, and then if you feel that they have your similar culture and des desire and work ethic and so on and so forth that you feel is right for you, you can then possibly employ them. But so many people employ people and give them directorships and give them shares and all this sort of thing and then regret it. Um, that's uh, uh, something that's really um, uh, uh, can be a problem. Um, but it, that, that it can be very good, very useful, very helpful. All right. Well, we've got Ken Elm Tonkin uh, who has asked, uh, he says, other factors in small businesses not wanting to transition from owner-managed to employee-managed are dilution, control, lifestyle, not realising they have incomplete skills and hubris. Uh, Peter, which of these factors is most prevalent in your experience? And thank you very much for your question, Ken Elm. Oh, yeah, thanks for the question. The, the, okay, one of the biggest problems uh, for growing a business from micro to small is being able to let go. And the reason for that is exactly as you've said, because they don't want to dilute the, the decision-making. But the fact is that, um, that that's part of the letting go. If you don't let go then you're just going to reach a point uh, where you can't be everywhere at the same time uh, and you can burn out. So it's necessary um, to, you know, some people say, oh, if I have to teach them, then I'm not going to be able to earn the money that I was earning. Uh, and I say to them, well, look, that, that's not what you're looking at doing. What you do is you get someone and you get them to do 
what you what doesn't earn you money you get them to do some paperwork you get them to do some um backgrounds work you get them to do other things that you have to do but it doesn't earn you money and if they do it you can then go out and earn money and they get more and more of that work as they develop it and they get it more they can then go to a higher position and you get someone else in there for example it depends on the on the sort of business that you're talking about um but if you get someone in there, you first have to work out what it is that you want them to do, what it is you don't want them to do. Um, there's a, a, a printer I worked with um, who, and the problem with them uh, was that they um, said, well, we, we employed printers who were better than us, but we had to sack them all the time because they didn't do the right job. And so what I incorporated into their business was something called HACCP, which is uh, hazard analysis, critical control points. Originally, it was for food, but it's just generally now for, for production. And what they do is they say, okay, there's now five stages to the printing. First, do this and show it to me. Then do this and show it to me. Then, So as they go through it, if there's any issue, it gets resolved earlier on. And then the final thing is, and it's only taking you five minutes at a time to check it and, and make any difference. Well, the um, learning could go in two directions as well, of course. I mean, God forbid you should have an employee who can teach you something. I mean, isn't that a, a wonderful thing too? If you've got if you've got those skills. Look, we are running out of time. Um, you, you did sort of make me think of the uh, Stephen Covey thing of PPC. You know, the production versus production capability. Uh, you know, uh, thing. Uh, but but look, as I say, we are running out of time. I'm interested to know where. Um, you know, in these times that we that that, that we live in, uh, you know, businesses are transitioning from the way they used to be, you know, pre-pandemic to you know a new normal or a way a way that uh, a way that they go forward. And I know that you watched our live stream last week uh, where we had Arabella McPherson say that one thing that the pandemic's taught you is you were never in control in the first place. You haven't lost control. You never yeah. had control. I, I love that. It's it's a little bit scary, but. Um, you know, do you do, are you finding that some of these skills that you're dealing with and teaching people in going from you know small to medium, etc., uh, are they also uh, transferable in terms of you know transitioning from you know the life as we used to know it to the to the to the way things need to be going forward? You, because you need to change your mindset at each stage. There's seven stages, remember, not three. And because yeah. you have to change your mindset at each stage, you are growing in yourself at each stage. Now, what I what I say is this: Look, um, you start in your comfort zone. If you want to go to the next stage, you see what has to be done. You go into the fear zone, which is lack of self confidence. Um, affected by others' opinions and so on and so forth. You then move into the learning zone. And once you've done the learning zone, you're now into the, the growth zone. You're in the new zone. And that new zone becomes your new comfort zone. So you go right. from comfort zone to comfort zone through those stages. Um, right, fear, learning, and growth. Yes. Yeah, okay. Well, there's nothing like a bit of fear. I've, I've said before... Uh, uh, Mario Andretti uh, says that if uh, if if if, you, if everything doesn't feel like it's out of control, then you're not going fast enough. But that, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's good or bad. Listen, we are going to wrap it up there. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Uh, the only uh, the thing is, uh, uh, Nicholas, that um, 
I, I've always, I'm always looking to to help people. So if any of the people that are looking at this are interested, and, and uh, if they ask you, uh, I'd be very happy to to talk to them. Uh, talks free, uh, and we can discuss it. Just remember one thing, uh, and that is uh, that uh, I I only charge what you can afford, um, because if you couldn't afford me, uh, then I couldn't have a business. Um, that's that's my okay. final. Well, uh, we will certainly, uh, it's certainly in all of the uh, all of the promos for this. Uh, we'll uh, we will put links uh, links to you. So uh, if you're listening to the Thank podcast, uh, go to the uh, go to the podcast notes, and you will find a link to today's guest, uh, Dr. Peter Ellis. So thank you very much for joining us today, Peter. Pleasure. It's been an absolute uh, delight. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm very happy to chat with you uh, about what we were talking about earlier. That, Fantastic. Okay, good stuff. All right, well, thank you very much, and thank you to all our live viewers and to uh, to our, our podcast listeners as well. Uh, um, until we do it again next week, cheers.